What up, what up, what up? Welcome, welcome, welcome uh, to Religiously Incorrect Podcast. I am one half of the dynamic duo, uh, Pastor Todd. As you can see, I'm all by myself. I'm so lonely. I'm so very lonely. Pastor Jeff is on vacation and uh, he is living it up uh, and enjoying his family his beautiful wife and children, and they're having a great time. He might pop in and surprise us, but you know, everybody gets a day off sometime, unless your name is Todd Johnson. Uh, I, I got it. Somebody got to hold up the bloodstained banner. And so I guess it's going to be me. But we are not hopeless and helpless because one of our favorite rippers, one of our favorite contributors and commenters and viewers uh, will be joining us tonight. Not only is she a pastor alongside her husband in Brooklyn, New York, uh, but she is one of our wonderful Berean servants, my Berean sister. Uh, and we're so glad to have her with us. So I want you to welcome our special guest co-host tonight, Pastor Reverend Tatum Osborne. Give it up for our guest pastor tonight. How you doing, Reverend Tatum. What's up, Pastor Todd? I'm good. What's up? Everything's all right in my world tonight. Everything's how all right, doing? man. How how <laughs> has life been going for you over there in the <laughs> NYC? What's going on? Listen, I can't complain. Listen, first of all, let me just say this. My Knicks are on a nine-run nine winning streak, so everything is good. You know, we're no longer the black sheep of the NBA for now. Oh, let's just, pray just wait it out. That way. It'll come back. It'll come back to normal. Don't let's worry. Pray. We pray. And I think the tur- the tide has turned, but everything is good. I can't complain. Brooklyn is Brooklyn. It's going to be what it's going to be in New York, but everything is good. I'm loving it. Well, we thank you so much, you know, for joining us and stepping in with us again. For everybody joining us, tapping in, please like and share this video. Give us your comments. Let us know you're watching. Tag somebody and tell them to tune in. We're having a special conversation with our guest co-host, Pastor Tatum. And and she is a part of the crew. Uh, Pastor Jeff, of course, is on vacation and joined his family. And we're very happy for him. Uh, You know, he announced that he and the wife are with child. uh, And they're, they're, they're trying to get it in before it all comes down. And I said, bro, you can have all that baby stuff for the both of us because I won't go back. (laughs) I can't go back. (laughs) You don't want to do it again, Pastor Todd? Not one more time? I couldn't couldn't get the wife to do it anyway. Boy, we'd be, listen, I'd be uh, bunking up at Bishop's uh, if if, if we tried that again. So it's just going to have to be what it be. But welcome, everybody. Hey, Sister Whitby, Lady Dela Cruz, so good to see you. Sister Tate. Uh, Jameson, my man, good to see you again. Tap in, tune in. It's another Sunday night. We're at the end of April already. Uh, over here in Ohio, it's kind of an overcast day, but we're about to be in the 80s, uh, the 80s this uh, this week. So, you know, I'm going to pull them biker shorts out and <laughs> go for some bike rides around the neighborhood, around the neighborhood. So, so check it out. Uh, the story... Uh, that I've been watching the last two days, the last 48 hours is the homegoing services of the brother, Bishop, rapper, actor. He's about to be an apostle by the time we get done with him. Apostle DMX, uh, the right reverend, the honorable. Now, this is yes. your next woods, Pastor Tatum. What's, what, yes. what's the going funeral, on? The funeral was right here in New York. They took over Brooklyn and 
it was a sight to see. I mean, motorcycles, high wheelers. I mean, driving down the street, the casket on the back of a, a big old truck, just riding down, riding down the streets of Brooklyn. It, it, it was something to see. Um, but you know, like with everything, like with DMS, nothing can happen without some controversy. Got to be some controversy. Some controversy. Got to be some mess. Listen, right now, we have a certain preacher in our city. I I guess the family had asked him to say words at the private um, service today. And the host church, which is a very um, popular and big church here in New York, um, CCC, Christian Cultural Center. A lot of people know who the pastor is, Pastor mm-hmm. A.R. Bernard. <laughs> From my understanding, um, the preacher received text messages from the the staff of CCC, the family saying that not to allow this, this preacher cannot speak at the service. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. And so that was it. So now this preacher is on social media. He's been on there all afternoon just going oh, no. He's all. not bleeding on the people, is he? He's not bleeding uh, on the people. He's Lord. just telling the story. He's smudging, he's smudging blood everywhere. Oh, Lord, we don't need that. You know, it's COVID out here. We don't need this. We don't need these contaminants out here. But, you know, it's unfortunate. But haven't we all been there? There is always, I've had my share of controversy, and it's an emotional time. And there are individuals, uh, I don't want to say they're hungry for the spotlight, because I think that's kind of a mm-hmm. misnomer. They're not always hungry for the spotlight, but they just had an expectation, especially if somebody asked them to be a part. Right. And then you get, you know, conflicting information that somebody blocks you, you know, it's a little, 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 little hit to the ego. Little, little. Yeah. And I, I just think how much, how much license does the host church have in interrupting the family's wishes? Well, I've seen it. Kind you know, of, yeah. You know, yeah I, how how you deal with that? And some of these brothers take this, Hey, this is my church, my pulpit. You know, if Basically. you, you know, I had a brother in our own city, you know, that, uh, there was just a, a a disagreement at one point and we just didn't see eye to eye on something. And he came to a funeral at my church and he really played it up, you know, sitting in the back pew kind of a thing. And the usher's like, pastor so-and-so is here. And I said, well, come on up brother. You know, and this, this is before the service. It's not public. It's not. And he comes up all puppy dog, you know, I don't know if I'm welcome. I'm like, bro, Come on, man. I mean, he's old, much older than me. And I'm like, I mean, I still respect my elders, you know, minor things that may occur in life. But there are some people who take it very seriously. And for whatever reason, and who knows, maybe the reason is justified. Maybe there is something known or something going on that we don't know. And pastors, yeah. and you know, pastors, and we have to make decisions people don't understand. Right. Sometimes. And the funeral atmosphere doesn't make it any better because people are already charged up. They already, already charged. And it was, it's, you know, it was a person of notoriety. So that alone and the pressure and all of that. So it's, it's just been a mess because the, the individuals simply said, oh, they didn't want me because I went to prison before. Now, see. And not, so not, he's not assuming that that's the reason why. And sometimes and I, was, I have to believe that people see a golden opportunity in rejection, mm, a, a golden yeah. opportunity for controversy. And it's become almost like what we see in the secular world where, you know, 
you know, as soon as I'm discriminated against or somebody doesn't serve me at the the IHOP because I got a Trump hat on or somebody complains, I can start a GoFundMe off of that. Right. I, I can start a campaign because there will always be sympathetic people. And sometimes mm-hmm. I feel that sometimes some of these campaigns for justice and, you know, to call somebody out are mm-hmm. kind of self-serving. I think yep. sometimes they're self-serving. And I don't know this preacher. You know these people better. You know, Brooklyn people, I ain't coming there because I heard y'all be packing guns and everything. So I ain't coming there to get in the middle of that, you know. We meet you in the parking lot. Right, right. Y'all move different. Y'all move different. You know, so so we don't want to get in the middle of that. But I hope everything goes well. I do have one more time before we go. Uh, We normally have a format. We can play with it now. We can do what we want. But uh, DMX services, they were a little long. They were a little, you know, you had two services, you know. They were right there with Aretha. Right, yeah. That's what I'm about did, did he reach? I mean, somebody needs to tell me who watched that all because I didn't watch all of this. But did he was this the secular version of the Retha funeral where it just went on and on? Listen, I watched the highlights from the news, I couldn't do it, and that's how you know it's too long. If you got to watch highlights, that's how you know a funeral is too long. If a funeral is long enough to have highlights, it's too long. It was long. If they could make a clip show on ESPN out of your funeral, (laughs) it's too long. It was long. It went on all day. I mean, all day. And and he had the one yesterday. The one yesterday, and then it went, and then today. But see, that that makes you a bishop, because, you know, only bishops get to, you know, home going like that. That's just, you know, but... You know, rest in power, King. Yep. <laughs> as, as Neil Brennan says, uh, you know, we, we're celebrating his legacy. Hopefully his family finds peace. You know what? I, I'll say this final piece. I hope his family's taken care of. Yeah. Yeah, and especially his of, children. Absolutely. Because after a while, if you find out in six months that there's debt and there's all this stuff and mm-hmm. uh, going to lose the house and everything, you think to yourself, all that money they spent on these arrangements could have been given to that family, family you know, yep. for their for their future. So, you know, we we gotta we gotta give a big shout out to uh, Shock G, uh, yeah. Humpty, you know, Humpty Hump, Humpty Hump you know, uh, one of Big Mike's favorite. Uh, uh, Jameson said, "When was the repass?" It's tomorrow morning. That was actually a good one, Jameson. You, that's your comment. That's, that's probably your best comment yet. I love it, bro. Yeah, yeah, the repass. Yeah, they probably have a, they got to go to Waffle House. Everything else closed. They got to walk. And we don't got a Waffle House. Waffle house. Oh, y'all got to get down south. Y'all we got, got, we got IHOP. Y'all got IHOP? No, Waffle House, Midwest and down south. That's the only thing open that, as late as that funeral is done. IHOP uh, and Denny's. But give it up for Shot G. You know, uh, he is a, one of the formative rappers of my youth. Mm-hmm. Here's how I know somebody is a formative rapper in my youth. If my dad hated him and made me throw his tapes away. That's why I know they had an impact on my life. That's what, it. You know, Uncle dancing up in Pastor Johnson's house. Uh, the Humpty dance. Uh, let's see, band songs. Everything Prince. Everything. Mm-hmm. Prince. The Humpty dance. Uh, salt and pepper. Push it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Believe it or not, uh, Tony, Tony, Tony. It feels good. Because they kept having the breakdown where the lady says, uh, uh, baby. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was sexual noises in it. Yep. It was, um, I want to set you up by, cu- by color me bad in my house. Color me bad, yeah. <laughs> like, take that thing off. That's the devil. I love it. Yeah, these are all songs that were banned from my childhood. 
and from the house. And that's how I know uh, my life was impacted by their music, is if my father hated it. And my parents made me uh, throw the tapes away. Or I had big brothers. I'm the youngest of six boys. So, mm-hmm. you know, you just sneak their stuff. And then don't, when the West Coast Dog Pound stuff came out, you know, it was over then. You know, it was just over. Over. So we're going to talk to Big Mike later uh, about that. And he's going to share his thoughts. You know, definitely that's that's his generation. Big Mike's got mm-hmm. a couple years on me. So I know he was, you know, I, I bet you he was at the uh, middle school dance, Humpty Dance in a way. He was at the eighth grade dance. Humpty that's my dance. childhood right there. So, hey, let's take care of these uh, sponsors. Uh, I'll take all the duties tonight because Pastor Tatum don't know any of these people. So we'll start first with Phillips Care Lawn Care services here in the Mahoney Valley, Trumbull Mahoney and surrounding areas. Our wonderful friend and entrepreneur, Fernando Phillips is the owner and operator. 330-219-7916 lawn care starting at $30. And, 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 you know, they do everything. They just, by the way, they are not only a sponsor, but I am a customer. Phillips Care came by my house and did an excellent job on uh, the other day, cutting down some stalks and some regrowth that I have that comes in every season. My lawn looks uh, clean and pristine and I appreciate them. And not only do we have the Phillips Care Lawn Services, but we also have the Phillips Care Cleaning, residential and commercial, floor, deep cleaning, carpet, upholstery, wood, floor, move in, move out, haul away. They do it all. And we are grateful to have Phillips Care uh, Cleaning and Lawn Care as our proud sponsors. And also, don't forget Five Grands Boutique, owned by uh, the vivacious Rosalind Hill, 164 High Street, Northeast Downtown Warren. I have been a part of her events, her fashion show. She's made my wife a model several times. Go to shop5grands.com and check out the stylish and up-to-date fashions that are available for women of all ages, shapes, and sizes. They're open Monday through Friday. 1030 to 6 p.m. And on Saturday from 1030 to 3, if you want to have a fly outfit from church to the next out uh, outing or event or or dance, or maybe you just want to go out on the town, Five Grants is the spot. So make sure you check out Five Grants Boutique in downtown Warren. And if you're not in the area, you can always shop fivegrants.com and they will take care of you from wherever you are. So thank you very much, sponsors. Uh, you guys don't have a whole lot of lawn care services in New York, do you, Pastor Tatum? Oops, I muted you. My bad. There we go. Not, yeah, not out in Long Island. If you're in the city, it's concrete jungle. You Just go outside and sweep. Listen, if you want to make some money in Ohio, get you a lawnmower and a pickup truck, and you'll be set. And then in the wintertime, you get you a plow. Boy, yeah, that's how you do. But y'all be, y'all, y'all have the stoop sweep. So y'all like Cosby Show, just walk up. Basically, yes. And clean clean your sidewalk. Don't let nobody slip on that ice because they're going to sue you. Oh, they will. Oh, yeah. Even though it's the it's the, the street belongs, in front of your house belongs to the city, right. it is your responsibility to keep it clear. So if somebody falls on the ice, they sue the homeowner, not the city. Wow. Yeah, wow. buddy. Well, the way Welcome I keep my sidewalk, boy, I would have been sued a long time ago. All them kids falling down, breaking their necks, man. That's that's just, mm-hmm. that, that's crazy. Well, Pastor Tatum, I want to get your take tonight. Mm-hmm. The news of the day that has swallowed up the world, especially in the United States, is the Chauvin trial. And I want to be careful because, you know, the news calls this the George Floyd trial, but George Floyd was not on no trial. trial. That 
terrible excuse for a police officer. Derek Chauvin was on trial and we were all waiting with bated breath. And first of all, I want to ask you, what did you expect before the verdict was handed down? What was your real expectation and thought? I got to tell you, I'll be honest. I was not expecting um, the convictions that he got. If any, I thought it would have been the one with the least penalty. Right, right. Because we have been here before. We have been in what we would think were cases that had proven, you know, the case and gotten disappointed time and time again. And I think, you know, just being victimized like that over and over again, you kind of set yourself up to, in your mind, say, uh, it's going to be some of the same old thing. And so yeah. that's that's what I thought. Even though I was holding my breath and I was nervous, like, oh, Lord, what are they going to say? I still was like, he's going he's gonna to get off. If he gets anything, it's going to be light. Wow. Wow. And, you know, that's it, it really is a sad reality that the expectations of black America are so low mm-hmm. of our justice system and the court proceedings and processes that most of us were wildly surprised to hear guilty three times. Mm-hmm. I had to explain to my children, like, you don't understand. I mean, they, they're watching, they've, they've watched through this with us and we don't subject them to number one, hatred uh, and even trauma, watching the videos and all. And of course, my daughter's getting a little older, so I can't control what she might see on YouTube or whatever. But, well, I can, but, you know, I try to let her see a little bit of the world. But they were watching it with me. Uh, my two older ones, and I was explaining, then the younger one walks in, and, and they're not dumb. They understand that there are police shootings and that there's a trial. Everybody's been saying George Floyd's name. And I grew up, Rodney King was, what, 91, 92? Yeah. Out there, and I was about nine years old at the time. And I was well aware. I had them grandparents that watched CNN all day, every day, you know. And I understood what was going on when they were found not guilty and the and the riots broke out. Yep. And there was all that terror. And unfortunately, the country was bracing for that. Yep. And, and and there's a reason for it. You know, people talk about rioting and the destruction. Of course, we do not approve of, you know, rioting for rioting's sake. But we also understand that fed up people are fed up people. And the legacy of this nation is when you don't like something, you tear something up. Why are you doing that? If, if they sports team lose a championship game, they tear something up. So, they did it last week. Some foolish <laughs> team got when the Knicks won the game. They, they tore something up. When the Knicks they went. tore it up. But it's it's just like it's, I almost equated to someone who's been abused or victimized over mm-hmm. and over again. Yeah. So when the other side tells you it's going to be different this time, you really don't believe it. Yeah. Because yeah, you you said it before, and you still abuse me. So the system does, that's what the system does. Absolutely. And I, I was interviewed by an outlet. And of course, I'm, I'm one of the guys on their short list of, you know, here's the black leader reaction, you know, when mm. something happens. Right. And, you know, they, they got me on speed dial, like, call, call the Negro leader. <laughs> so I get the call. I do the Zoom on Saturday. And one of the last questions that the one, and she's a wonderful young lady. I, she interviews and gives us great coverage on things that we like. Once again, local news is real easy to get you a story. And if right. you move to Ohio, you just be a celebrity just by uh, passing out a bag of groceries. But uh, she asked me what I thought about LeBron's comments and how the Columbus shooting, which we'll get to in a second. And he goes, you're next. And it, it's a big blow up because, you know, all the facts weren't out yet. Right. He thought that was very aggressive. You know, a star. 
And, and my basic, first of all, I wasn't going to take the bait of a black man criticizing another black mm -hmm. man, number one. Number two, I said, you know, after 400 years of oppression, if the worst thing we can do to you is say something mean on Twitter. Right. You know, if the worst thing that we can do is is say something perhaps unwise or a little inflammatory, it will never compare to hundreds of years of oppression, degradation, slavery, yeah. injustice, and we're still living in it today. And on top of that, now you're trying to police the tone of the people who are being victimized. We're in a mess and sometimes messy things will be said while you're trying to get out of that mess. That's it. So I'm not gonna focus on a few comments. I'm gonna focus on the, the process, the protocols, the policies that actually dictate the mess that we're in right now. And LeBron took his stuff down and all of that. But with this, the, the same day, yep. you had the young lady shot in Columbus. Then there is a story of a, a guy in uh, North Carolina. There like six different six. shootings. Yep. So, so what do we say to this? Is, is Chauvin just a one-off? Is, is he the sacrificial lamb? And what, what are we looking at? And that's the thing that I, I I fear that because of the the season we're in and the tenseness of all that we went through with um, dealing with the racial issues last year, that Chauvin is basically a okay. Let's let's give this to them to appease, and hopefully maybe stuff will settle back down where we like it. Because wow. I don't know if this will be replicated somewhere else right will it be replicated i don't know because it's so systemic and deep-rooted you have to change the culture absolutely one win is not of is not the whole victory right you just that part of the battle right there but let's see does it translate to north carolina right right different cultures that's south now Right. Will it translate? So I, I don't, I really honestly don't know. We were down by like a thousand points and we just finally scored a basket. Right. And, uh, <laughs> we had a whole, right. whole celebration over that. And and I actually was listening to the New York Times podcast. I listened to the daily every day on Spotify. And I was, they were saying that actually the conviction of Chauvin might actually make it harder to pass police reform because now some people in power will say, see, the system works. works got yeah. convicted. So, you know, maybe if it's as clear cut, which, by the way, here's the other part we have to acknowledge. Chauvin got convicted because he sat on a dude's neck for nine minutes. And it was videotaped for all the and world it was to videotaped. see. Live. It was, it was drawn out for live. everyone to watch the life of a non-combative, at least after he was subdued, individual. Whereas almost all of the other incidents are shootings. Yep. So what do we really feel we're going to get justice with the shootings? Because the shootings, they can still say, is a split second decision. decision. It is uh, an issue of safety, preservation of life, feared for the life, immediate mm -hmm. threat. And I had to neutralize the threat. So Chauvin, in a way, is really an anomaly. Mm -hmm. And I think really we have to see a police shooting get convicted. That's it. That's it. Because if you couldn't convict the officer for Tamir Rice's death, a little kid playing in a park with a toy gun, right. you know. Yeah. You're not, I don't expect you to convict somebody for shooting them 
while they're running away or driving away. Like the other day, the guy was driving away. Yep, yep, yep. And he shot him in the back. Right. He's Uh, driving away. He's no threat to you. But so I think the, the cases are different. Right. Most of them involved shootings. This one was actually somebody physically suffocating the life out of somebody while we all stood there and watched. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, we'll pause for station identification. You're watching Religiously Incorrect with our guest host, Pastor Tatum Osborne of the Refuge Church of God in Brooklyn, New York, where she co-pastored with her husband, Kevin Osborne, my friend and brother. Both of them are wonderful uh, servants of God. They're my Berean brothers and sisters uh, in the Berean Leadership Conference and so grateful to be a part. Matter of fact, she's on the board of Presbyteries, which I still can't say right. Presbyteries. Presbyteries. She's a Presbyter. And and, and and he is also uh, does many great things in their community. I want to switch gears a little bit, and I'm inviting all of you who are watching to like and share this video, tag somebody, join the conversation, ask us your questions. Uh, she is filling in for Pastor Jeff, who's on vacation. He's probably clubbing it up in Miami somewhere. Who knows? I don't know what Pastor Jeff doing. Y'all know he only halfway saved. You know, who knows? Uh, so here is my question to switch gears. What about Ben Crump, Al Sharpton, and 21st century black leadership. Ben Crump, Al Sharpton, and 21st century black leadership. The the press conference was a little odd. It was a little Dave Chappelle sketchy to me. A little sketchish, a little little step and fetch. I will be honest with you. I said to my husband, we just don't know how to act. We gonna take the... We're going to take the hood wherever we go. Like, are we cheering? Are we like, high-fiving? Are we fist-bumping? Yes. I, and posing for selfies in the background. I was like... Did I see a lean with it, rock with it? You know, I'm seeing... I'm like, what? What? It's like... I, I don't... What, what, how do we digest that? Is that the reality of modern Black leadership? Uh, is Are these our leaders? Are these our representatives? They're in, they're in the forefront. I just, I want some leaders who know how to navigate whatever space they're in with a sense of, of letting people know this is who we are as a people. If you're going to represent us, don't be the caricatures of what they think we are. Hmm. You see, don't play into that. Get up there. You can say you can be as real as you want to be. Say it however you want to say it, but do it in such a way where they know you're talking to some intelligent people who understand what we're talking about, and we don't have to be over the top to get our point across. One of the things that I I personally just cannot have no no issue with the man, but can't take with Ben Crump is he's just too loud. He's always yelling. And I'm like, it. dude, you got a, the mics are there. You, yeah, microphones bring, work, bro. Bring that they work. down. <laughs> you know, you ain't got to shout. Take your preaching voice off. <laughs> we can hear you talk, talk, you know, intelligently calm. Use your inside voice. And I, I just think if you're going to be a national leader and say you're representing a whole class and group of people, that there's a certain way you have to know how to conduct and navigate yourself at that level. Right, right, and 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 that that is so important because you can be uh, at the top of your class in a particular profession, but 
but it does not mean you are adept at public presentation yeah. where it matters because obviously the brother's work has spoken for itself. And I've heard some people kind of, and I got, maybe sometimes I feel that way with some of my friends and peers that, Hey, he, he seems to just jump in on the civil side and, 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 you know, he's not actually winning the criminal cases, but that that's more of a systemic thing because that's what we're left with is the yeah. civil side. So outside of the George Floyd situation, what you're usually left with is the civil side. And since you can't really get justice in sending a cop, you know, to prison, usually you have to settle for that settlement, which you right. know, that's a pretty good way to settle if you had to take anything home. So he is doing that. And and I, I think his genius and intelligence does speak for itself. You do not become that figure by accident. No. Again, that does not mean you are prepared to speak to the uh, public and engage other communities as well as represent our community in a way that is uh, efficient and intelligent. And even Reverend Al, it just feels like they've been given over to cheap cliches and almost like reality show activism. Right. And and that's the best way I can describe it is like reality show activism. And maybe this ultra exhibitionist media environment has created and pushed them that mm. not only do they have to bring issues to the forefront, but they also have to keep strong, larger than life personalities at the forefront in order to keep people's attention. And maybe, again, that is a function of this world we live in yeah. where they have to generate this type of attention and sometimes you become an, if you're in a clown show, you start acting like a clown. Yep. And they are surrounded by clownish media, including clownish news. I mean, think about who they get interviewed by. This ain't Walter Conkright anymore. They're getting interviewed by clowns sometimes. Yep. They're being led on by partisan, you know, partisanship and news mm -hmm. agencies that are trying to get ratings. So now they have to match the energy and the attention span of what they're given. So I'm wondering if our culture is not only creating this, but then as a black culture, sometimes we can be shallow. We're accepting this as, you know, the plainer, simpler, tedious approach to doing this is not satisfactory to us. We want a show. And that's the thing. I don't think everything doesn't need to be a show because when you make everything a show, it, it kind of diminishes overall because the then when you do need that moment, it gets lost because you've been playing a role all this time. I just think as leaders, you got to be like, and I'm going to talk by because that's who I am. Yo, go you got to go be ahead. like, you got to be like Moses. You got to, Moses taught to the people one way, but talked to Pharaoh differently. Wow. And so you got to know who you're talking to so that your approach is different. You can't you can't get up in front of the mass media who is already prone to ready to twist your words and to fit their narrative and then just play right into that. Right. Because right. it doesn't it doesn't help. And I just was like, okay. And they had them on there for I thought they were gonna cut they them off. Them on, like, what else is there to say? What but else they kept them on and they was cutting up and I was All right, like, now, we're gonna oh, tap dance. now my daughter's gonna do a mime. <laughs> and they calling this one. This one, come, come talk here. Pookie, Pookie, come Pookie, over here. Come Pookie. over here. And I'm like, they using, they using the nicknames. Yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. Like <laughs> so I guess my, my thing is, we have longed so much for black culture to be accepted. And sometimes, you know, there's some stuff that's for the family. Yeah. There's some stuff that's for the reunion, but it's not for the public. And I think sometimes we're so eager to share that stage, we forget that everything isn't for the stage. Right. And I guess the question I want to ask you is, as much as we might look at this and say, 
this is over the top. This is outlandish. Are they giving the people what they want? The people have not rejected this by and large, this approach. You know what I mean? There's some criticism, yeah. but the masses have not rejected this. I think Campbell. at this point, I think at this point, we have, because we have been in this place as people, we don't, most people just don't care no more. It's like, whatever, do what you want. Yeah, just get results. Just get right, results. Just get and, results. And, and, I don't care how you do it. You know, I don't really care what they think anymore. You know, as long as you're giving me results. So I don't think they really, they really, it, it doesn't really matter to most people. Okay, you can be all crazy as you want to. Is it working? That's at the end of the day. Is it working? So. It, it, I mean, Reverend Al is the guy, you know, and, you know, he's coming up on his age. Mm -hmm. But I think when you are fresh, when you think about, of course, the standard bearer of the 20th century is Mar Dr. Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. Then you had Jesse Jackson had his season. Then Al Sharpton has his season. But the problem is it's not new anymore. No. And, and, and we are far down the line on this. People get weary, you know, resigned mm -hmm. to certain things. You become, as you said, a caricature. You're actually giving fodder to the other side yep. to say, oh, here, here come that preacher without a church who, you know, uh, mm -hmm. all he does is fly around and wear fancy suits and stuff. And it's almost like, well, not totally inaccurate, you right. know, because I mean? Dr. King was, uh, you know, what wasn't definitely necessarily banking it in. He was trying to support his family, whereas these cats got contracts with media conglomerates and books, That's it. different things like that. So I think there is a weariness to that. And then there's another side to it, Pastor Tatum, and that is sometimes there's a rejection of sort of the the black bourgeoisie, the, the black elitism, yep. the black intellect, the intelligentsia, where those who have attained those positions are despised, even mm -hmm. though we always say we want somebody up there. Yeah. And I was going to post tonight, maybe after church, I'm after church, Lord knows I ain't in church. After the podcast, I'll post up that the number one way to encourage young people to get involved in politics and public affairs is to stop tearing them down as soon as they do. Right. Because as soon as us, as soon as one of us gets a voice and becomes that voice, where we have the attention of presidents and of politicians and and the and the mayors and the police chiefs, we're like, who do they think they are? Exactly. So now there's that rough rider activists. Mm -hmm. You know, the DMX disciples, and yeah. they got that street level, and they want center stage. Right. So, so how do we balance that? As black people, clergy, maybe some folks are church folk. Some folk are very much not church folk and they're kind of pushing back against that. How do we balance those extremes and those dynamics? I think we have to have a healthy respect that mm -hmm. all voices have to have a seat at the table. I may not like necessarily like your approach. And sometimes we can be helpful to one another to say, maybe your approach is misguided in this way. Have you considered this? But I think we need to make space for everybody at the table. When you look at the inner, the inner sanctum of who Jesus had around him, the 12, they were all different, but they all had a seat at the table. Right. Right. You had Judas and Peter and you had John. John loved everybody. Can we all just get along? Peter was like, say the wrong thing. I'm about to punch you in your face. Slice them. Slice them. Right. Slice them so you, but you have to have someone who's able to navigate all of these personalities, but they all have to have a voice. And I think our, our young people who want to be active, and they may not be as polished as you are because they haven't had life experience, but they still need to have a voice and they will learn. But you, 
both sides can't negate one another. I like that. And that's the problem. We're, we're trying to cancel each other out instead of complimenting because there's rooms that I can get into mm-hmm. that a millennium or a gen gen Y or whatever you they're calling themselves can't. And this voices that they can speak to, ears they can speak to that will never listen to me. Right. And so we have right. to learn our our my biggest pet peeve with our people is we we don't know how to work together. Hmm. We come together and as soon as somebody want, says I want the spotlight, we start fighting like crabs in a barrel and that's where we don't get anywhere. We just keep going around in circles. Uh, but yeah. we have to respect each other's seat at the table. And, you know, I'm I'm that guy. I joked about it today, uh, you know, in church. I said I used to look back at the so-called black leaders or whoever it was that was always called upon, you know, whoever it was that always got the, the news clip or whatever until I became that dude. Yeah. And I'm like, you don't really ask for it. It becomes a role you grow into and learn. But also by way of being a pastor, which automatic, automatically makes you a, a leader in the black community, you have mm-hmm. such intimate uh, involvement with the families and what's going on in the community, but you also end up having a lot of engagement with the broader powers in your community. You do represent by default, and you're trying your best to represent your people. When somebody's sitting at home watching that little thirty second blurb, you know that somebody, you know the the, the news mm-hmm. media called me, and they're sitting at home like, "Why didn't they call me? I'll give them the real. I tell it like it right. is." That's kind of sort of why they didn't call you, number one, because they don't want to have to pull out the bleep button. And and do all this. and get fined. Yeah, you barking at the the newscaster and everything else, and ah, we burn it down today. And, and we don't understand like there is a decorum, and mm-hmm. we have a lot of young fiery activists and people who are concerned about their community, and they are just as intelligent. You know, their 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 ears are definitely to the ground. They're coming from the grassroots, coming out of the mud, but at the same time, they're not speaking the language of the power brokers who can make change. That's and sometimes it. you don't understand that there is a place for public pressure, street marching. Yeah, we need the rough. You need, as my one of my mentors would say, you need the Malcolm and the Martin. Yeah, Malcolm might push them to Martin, but you know you can't, like you said, cannibalize each other and say, okay, I'm going to make an enemy out of the system and my black brother or sister who happens to be trying to fight the same system I am from a different angle. And so, because he's the suit wearer and I'm the Timberland wearer, you know, I'm gonna hate the suit wearer because. Right that's how he moves in boardrooms and I move on street corners. And you're right. It's about respect black people, mm-hmm. particularly. And if we're going to get things done, because honestly, the system will play on our divisions. That's it. They definitely will divide and conquer. They, they can't wait to feed into. I've been saying this as a theme. Mike's probably tired of me saying this during the podcast, even some of the memes and some of the negativity we see, it might not be coming actually from those individuals. It might be fed and filtered through them or to them. They see something like, oh, yeah, that is right. Them preachers just be taking all our money. And now they're yeah. sharing that stuff. And there's that toxic feeling. And so now there's this distrust that's been engendered from outside of us. Mm-hmm. And, and now, again, Reverend Al going to die one day. And we're going to be looking like, OK, so who's the voice that's going to speak? And that's the question. Who Who is the voice? Um, we don't. Back in the day, because we had such strong leaders in the community and civics, you could pinpoint in different areas, oh, this is the person here that is, is the, the voice in this area in Montgomery or down in Atlanta. We don't even have that now. And we have more connection through social media. 
but we got too many voices talking. Too, too many, too noisy. You're right. Some too people many. just need to stay quiet. And and honestly, I'll add something else to it when it comes to leadership. And I, I'm I'm guilty of this. Uh, you know, Dad did put something up about how we got to be careful. We post up, you know, yep, secular. I saw it. People might not, you know. I'm like, I need to check my timeline. <laughs> I did the same thing. I was like, Ooh, did I post something? Talk about me, but not only are there too many voices, but there's much more commonality outside of the cause. Mm-hmm. Meaning that let's say Jamal Bryant is one of the voices yeah. or a Ben Crump is one of the voices or Sean King is one of the voices. Problem is they on Facebook sharing memes and jokes and, and, and chopping it up. And it's like, if you talked about Dr. King, you was talking about the movement and that was pretty much it. You were talking That's about nonviolence, civil rights, whatever you could be talking about nowadays, healthy eating, that preacher whose teeth fell out during the sermon, you know, who won the game. And we're all in this common space where we've talked about, you know, how we talked about even in our generations, we're more common with each other than we used to be. Yep. And I think that commonality robs the potency of those individuals who would be voices and they are voices, but they're also giving voice to just about everything else too, you know? Yep. And, uh, uh, Officer Brown, my good friend, retired officer, Timothy Brown, who's from the city of Warren, and he's a wonderful Christian brother, asked, have both groups ever sat down and conversed on how to address the issues together? Uh, That's what do you a think? good question. I, even if they came into the room, I think we have a tendency of when we're coming to, to moments like that of coming with, I got my agenda of what I want to say in the back of my mind, and I just came to get my point across. And I don't I think we talk, but we don't listen mm. to one another. We talk at one another, but we don't listen to one another. And sometimes if we would stop and listen, we can hear the intent of the other side. Right. And so I don't I don't even think they've even if they've had that conversation, it, it was not what it sh- could have been or should have been, because everybody seems to be so stuck in their corners on their points and agendas that nobody wants to reason together. Nobody wants to come to a, a common, okay, can, is there space for us to compromise? Can, can we take a piece of your plan and a piece of your plan and piece that together and work together? I don't think they've done that. And I I love that. You're right. Everyone might come to the table, but they still have their loyalty to their own corners. And I would suggest uh, just, you know, observing because I have been a part of conversations like that. Matter of fact, for one uh, Black History Month, we did a special program and the point was to bring together into one room at one of our local YWCA's like community room type deal, all of the black groups who represent different fashions, including like our local chapter of NAACP, our our local chapter of, uh, we have the A. Philip Randolph Institute, they do voting rights and, and labor rights and all of that. But what it's not so much are we conversing but are we continuing? So after there's a conversation, mutual respect, whatever that moment, that, that, you know, that little, that little, like, are we building relationships and really spending time with one another and finding strategic partnerships that will last the long term? Uh, And and the fact that, that, you know, from practicalities sake, you're just still, if the 70 year old member of the chapter of the NAACP is still going to hang out with her 70 year old friends when this is over. Yep. And the 30 year old, you know, young gun activist who still hits the club here and there or, you know, just on the young side of life, whatever they do, 
they're still going to hang out with their crew. So there's not as much intersection because yeah. a lot of it's generational. So it is difficult to continue. It's good to come down and come to a mutual. And I've, I, I've, I've had it on my heart to get with a couple of brothers that don't really believe like I believe they're on, you know, some different stuff and like, okay, but can we still respect each other? Can we kind of get off the bash stuff? You know, I used to be the one to have a clap back for the so-called woke guys and the this and the that, but I'm like, you know what? If the white man hates us, he hates us, whether we're Christian, Muslim, woke, African ancestry, you know, yeah. uh, Rastafari, he don't care. Yeah. He hates black skin. He hates black skin, whether I'm praying to Jesus or not. But how do we continue together? And uh, that is a challenge, again, from practicality. It's like you can't expect I'm not going to go play bingo every weekend. You know, not right. funny, but, you know, I'm not about that. <laughs> and that street dude, they come into revival every week to hang out with me either. You know, it's just. Not but it's finding the places where we can intersect. Right. And I yeah. and, and creating those environments that there has to be moments and times where we can come together and not just stay in our corner and say, oh, you know, like, oh, y'all, y'all had your time. Y'all that don't work that or, or y'all don't know what y'all talking about. Y'all wet behind the ears. And that's the thing that yeah. gets me. We instead of seeing where. We can help one another. We we kind of bash one another, and so then that takes the 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 wanting from a person. I don't. If that's how you're gonna treat me, I won't do nothing I don't with want, you. I feel it. Just right. like bump right. you. Right. You know. Right. I, I'm I'm not gonna do. I'm gonna just stay over here with my crew, and we're gonna just do our thing. Because if every time I come and I may put a point on the table, or I may something or suggest something, and you telling me I don't know what I'm talking about. Why would I want to be there? Why would I want to be there? I, I told the story of a young fella I knew who was uh, telling me about, and it was, you know, church centered, but he was talking about, you know, grandma hounding him about coming back to church. You need to get back into church, boy, boy, you need to come on back in and all that kind of stuff. And so he started, you know, expressing himself honestly about, you know, how he'd like to contribute, how he'd like to reach out to his generation. Some of the complaints the church has and uh, that, that the generation, I should say, has about the church and, it wasn't radical stuff. He wasn't saying burn the place down and all that, but he had some suggestions. And the more suggestions he made, the less interested grandma was in him coming to church because she knew he was going to come in on fire. And so him coming in meant her, her comfort would be disturbed. And, and that's it. You said you made a good point. Are we willing to be uncomfortable for the cause? That's it. That's it. Because everybody honest, wants to be it. I just want to stay comfortable, but is the cause great enough for us to be uncomfortable with when maybe a, a, a process or a idea that we might not be used to? And right. I think both sides have to have to come to that place that the cause is greater. Both sides. Absolutely. I, I want to address Scott Heater's question and then we'll do our sponsors and bring Big Mike in because I know he got some things to share and say. And Pastor Tatum has been an excellent co-host. You are awesome. You're gonna be on call. I with owe us. you. You're gonna be on call. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because we did the I first lifted together. Yeah. You and saved my show. Right <laughs> that was a last minute production. Uh, Listen. <laughs> we're gonna switch over to the other satellite. We're going live from right. Ohio. <laughs> okay, uh, uh put up Pastor. I'm uh, not Pastor, put up Scott Heater's question. Are black leaders clearly positioning their successes? Now, Scott Heater is a white brother of ours in the area. And I'm almost ashamed that a white brother would have to ask this question because <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> and it is. And, he, and he's a loving brother. You know what I mean? He, yeah. he, he's right there with us. But, you know, 
I've often said it's hard to mentor me and compete with me at the same time. Yeah. That's, you know, that's it in a nutshell. Most leaders, whether it's in civic or whether it's in the church, most of them are not positioning their successors. And I think one of the biggest things is, is because we've taken our assignment and leadership as if it's who we are mm. and not what we're called to do. So we can't see ourselves outside of the position. That's right. why when it's time to move, we don't want to move because then we don't know who we are. What am I going to do? Who am I going right. to be? If I don't I'm even not like my this? family. I don't even want to see right. my kids. Why am I, why am I retire? And, and, and that's, that's the issue. They right. have they have to see themselves that this is something I, I'm called to do in this moment, in this season. But when that's over, I'm going to be okay. I can bring somebody else in because me not doing that does not make me less of a person. Right. Or less right. valuable. Yeah. And from the flip side, mindset. there's an honorable way to assume position. That too. You know, a lot of us stepping up, step up, come in, guns blazing. You know, rip down the old picture. I'm the man now. You know, let me tell you why I'm so different and, I, and my way is superior and I'm going to reach everybody you missed. And then we find out why things took so long. We find mm -hmm. out why they ran into blockades. We find out why progress doesn't move so swiftly. And there's an honorable way to approach and address those who have come before us and who are still occupying spaces we're not yet prepared for. And, and I've often talked even about... Um, you know, age, you know, I'm I'm raising a young family. I don't have always the time and energy to spend as a as an older retired brother who has worked mm -hmm. at the local car plant or whatever. And, 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 you know, he did what he could do when he was working. But now he's really got time and he still feels young enough to get out there. Well, I've got baseball practice, soccer practice. Right. I got to encourage, got a wife to keep, you know, got to go on vacation, got to go to Berean, you know, got to do this, that and the other. And uh, and. So we have to be honest about generational obligations, yep. uh, generational uh, uh, access and opportunities. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, having that Moses Joshua dynamic, we always want to see it. But we all know that church succession is not unlike, like you said, civic succession. Yeah, it's hard. And it's, hard. it's very rare that somebody really is ready to retire. It could be a local politician that held uh, office for 12 years, 15 years. Oh, we got them. We got them in Brooklyn. They still running after 20 something years. And you think they'd have somebody coming up the pipeline, an assistant, you know, or maybe something happens in the process and they lose the person they were grooming. And what do we end up doing? Starting back from square one and not only starting back from square one, but sometimes behind the eight ball where now you have to clean up the mess and the yes. hard feelings of how the transition happened or how the last person like coming after a messy pastor or something went wrong. Now you got to fix that instead of moving forward. Yes. And so that is, uh, I hope we don't have an ego struggle, even on the national stage. I hope we don't have a leadership struggle. And some of our older ministers, some of our older black leaders, some of our older uh, justice advocates and activists would do well to start publicly affirming who affirming. they see coming forward, even if they still have the main mic right now. Start sharing that podium a few times and say, hey, when I, as I fade, this one will begin to shine brighter. Go ahead and look for them. And I think I mean, that and different. that and that will help with their peers, because when they see the, the leader of their generation affirming someone, then they're going to take a twice. They're going to take a second look at the person and said, OK, I can see it. 
And then they'll start to affirm that younger person. One of the best advice that me and my husband got when we assume leadership is don't change a don't try to change a culture of a thing before you understand the culture. Wow. Wow. And that's what a lot of us when we first come into whether it's in in leadership in the church or in civics, we just want to go in there and make all the changes and the ideas and we don't understand everything has a culture. Yep. Even if you're running, if you're a, a assembly person over an area, we have assembly people here. Okay. That that part of that part of Brooklyn has a culture that's different from another area in Brooklyn, and you have to understand the people that you're serving, whether it's in neighborhoods or in the church. Everyone has a culture, and sometimes we can be so zealous with our ideas and oh, I got this grand plan, and before you even get the people behind you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know. and there's a respect that has to be had for experiences that you did not engage in. They weren't a part of your generation. I had an older lady. I was telling a young brother and I was a real younger guy than me, like early 20s and probably 2021. And, you know, very cerebral, very feeling, you know, a lot of explanations and philosophies for that. And I told him the story of an older lady from my church who said, look, just because you guys talk so much and have a platform to talk so much about things and certain issues that have come to the limelight, don't think we didn't discuss those things too in a different way. We might not have had a Me Too movement, but please don't think all of us black women were just running around getting messed around on and abused and molested and we didn't have support groups and we didn't have advocacy and we didn't have breakdowns with one another and take each other. We didn't call it that. We didn't have hashtags. You know, we right. didn't have the same mental health and emotional health kind of labels that we have now. But don't think we were just running around trying to pray it out and shout it out. Y'all, you know, and she was telling me, you all corner us as if we don't have intelligence, as if we didn't have degrees. And there is a generational breach culturally mm -hmm. that there are a lot of those of us in our generation and lower than us who don't really know where our parents and grandparents come from. And we yep. assume that they just basically dropped the ball right. and left us to try to clean up when really we wouldn't even have a voice to speak and a platform to stand on if we weren't standing on their shoulders and crawling that's, on their backs right now. That's it right there. Whether in the church or civic, we are building on another man's work. Somebody was working before we got there. Somebody plowed that ground to get us to this point. Right. And you got to respect that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's hit these sponsors and bring in Big Mike. I know he's got something to say. I know he wants to tell us about Shock G and talk about what we've been talking about. So again, from the Phillips Care family of businesses, I told you about brother Fernando. I'll tell you about his brother, Mike Phillips, one of our local heroes, wonderful young man who I'm blessed to know as a friend and brother. He runs Phillips Care Training here in the Mahoning Valley, and they are the proud new owners of High Street Fitness at 277 South High Street in Cortland. That's right in the northern part of Trumbull County. You know where it's at if you live in the area. They're running specials for new clients. If you want to get fit, get right. Uh, we had a joke around here in Ohio where we were in the 80s like two weeks ago and then the snow started coming and one girl said God knew our summer bodies weren't ready yet so he brought winter back so <laughs> we could have some more time <laughs> to get it together but Mike will get you right visit the High Street Fitness Facebook page or call Mike at 330-984-7632 and if you want to be worked out he will work you out in up and down 
and he is a professional at what he does, and we appreciate him. Of course, we go back to Five Grand's Boutique at 164 High Street Northeast in downtown Warren. They are Pastor Todd approved. My wife's got a few pieces from there, and she always looks beautiful and elegant in her Five Grand's gear. You can call them at 330-394-5000 or visit them online, shop5grand's.com and see what they have available to you for all types of events and outings. Ladies, go get your gear, your accessories, your formal wear, your summer wear, Monday through Friday, 10.30 a.m. to 6 p.m., and Saturday from 10.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. Again, the wonderful and vibrant Rosalind Hill is the owner-operator with her daughter, Tiffany, and you will be pleased with your selection. So thank you so much to our wonderful sponsors. And I got to say again, thank you to Pastor Tatum, for being our best host. I wish I could be at Universal Studios and and talking to the Hulk and Mickey Mouse and all that stuff. But that's the best thing. And thank you for being on with us. We got our producer, Big Mike, and I want him to pop in and just give us his thoughts, his questions. You got a rapid fire or some comments you want to make. What's happening, Big Mike? Uh, All right, all right. How you guys doing tonight? Doing great. Wonderful. Good, good, good. Hey, Jeff just texted me, man. He said he, uh, he's on a beach swimming with the dolphins. <laughs> See, this cat ain't right. Figured I'd throw that in just there real wrong. quick. Just wrong. Just wrong. I'm to bring Flipper home. Just wrong. <laughs> Pastor Tatum, uh, first let me say it was very nice, nice to finally meet you. Pleasure, um, pleasure. You know, for those of you who don't know, Pastor Tatum is one of our top fans. She's there every week. She's commenting, she's sharing, she representing Red Cutting Nation. Up. Cutting Listen, up. Causing this is how I, this is how I debrief from Sundays. That's it. That's it. This is Sunday night service. I let it all out on y'all. Like these Negroes got on my nerve today. I got something to say. <laughs> yes. Dig it, dig it. Um, one of the comments earlier. From my Scott Heater, he was saying, asking if the older leaders are, you know, getting the younger leaders ready. My question is, are the younger ones even ready for this fight? Mm. That's a good mm. question. Are they, they even ready, ready for this fight? I mean, because, you know, right now, you know, they take it to Facebook. They take it to Instagram. They right. take it to, are right. they really ready to take it to the streets? That's what I'm worried about. I think some of our younger and and are more vocal, uh, especially in the black and urban community, they remind me of some of on the other side. And I, was, I hate to say other side as if there's a race divide in that way. But, you know, those real hyped up white militia dudes that, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they go out to the army store and buy the army tactical gear and stuff and all that. But they haven't mm-hmm. actually enlisted. Right. You know, they, they, they watch YouTube channels. They might even have their own little, you know, off offbeat training in their backyard or whatever. And. I'll kill Osama bin Laden. Yeah, drop him in Baghdad. Right. Drop him in Baghdad. And so, you know, there are very, and let's be clear, Rakia, uh, who was on last week, our wonderful big sister, she was saying, are they ready to take it to the streets? I I I would make that double. Are they ready to take it to the streets and to political halls of power? Are they ready to take it to the block and the boardroom? Right. Because you got to be able to do that. Yeah. And sometimes the rhetoric that works on Facebook will not work in the mayor's office. Exactly. That's it. And sometimes the rhetoric, and I've been there, like, y'all, bro, you need to calm that down because you are actually closing people's ears off by what you're saying. So shut that down and come in here and have a conversation with us where we can actually make yeah. a change. Because you're getting likes out there, 
but you're not making no moves out here. Right, right. I, right. I told somebody the other day, great generals have more than one strategic plan to win a fight. They don't, wow. they, they, they attack it from all angles. And until you learn how to fight in multiple ways at multiple times, you're not going to win the fight. So if that's the only way you know how to fight or know how to get your point across and you're just stuck in that one lane, you're not going to be able to attack an enemy coming from a different direction because you don't even Absolutely. see him coming. You're so Absolutely. focused. And so we got to be varied in how we, like Pastor Todd said, varying how we attack this thing and approach this thing. You can't just get on Facebook. After you get on Facebook and you hit that post, then what? Then what? Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and he mentioned they must be equipped. And I said to a young man in a conversation today, there is knowledge to be had, but you have to be willing to sit in the classroom. That's it. And there are some older generation, if you would just sit down and be quiet for a minute, and be willing to listen and, and know you cannot count on them always making it the way you want it. That that, that person 80, they still 80, they're gonna be 80, they've earned the right to be a little sharp, a little rough. They, right. they you know been through a few things. But are you sitting in the spaces? We were talking about finance, different things. I said, bruh, there's all kinds of people that can lead you and guide you and how to make it, but are you willing to listen and then discipline yourself to do what you're being taught to do? So uh, being equipped is more than I know you know this, Kia. It's more than just putting the gun in somebody's hand. It's training them on how to use it correctly. Right. And sometimes we think, well, just give me the mic or just give me the position. Just give me the voice. Just throw me. There, there's things that I have to learn. And honestly, if people have been down that path and they've seen the pitfalls, we should be learning from what the mistakes they made mm -hmm. and they share their wisdom so that the next generation can move more strategically and better. That's true. Because if you're not equipped, you might turn around and shoot the wrong person. Friendly fire, you know, and. And I do believe strongly in that. And it's a tough conversation. Like we said, generationally, you have to be willing to learn. Are there resources available? Is there wisdom available? Are there people who would like to tell you how to make it in this political space, how to make it in the street yeah. space, how to make it in this advocacy space? Yes. But are you willing to listen? That's it. How is you right. feeling, Mike? Right. Um, well, you guys already touched on Shock G. I'm, I'm not going to elaborate on him now. <laughs> Um, I, I just want to say he was he was more than just Humpty. Everybody know him for being Humpty. He was way deeper than that, but I'll let that go. I'll let it go. Uh, next week, next week, we have a special guest, my man, Michael Walker from Warren, yes, Ohio. Um, he's going to come in and talk finances. Actually, what yes. he's going to do is break down finances so that everybody can understand it. I know sometimes where the money resides, where the money, where the money resides, where that loot at, where is it at? But uh, but yeah, he's he's going to come in and talk to us about um, about finances, you know, uh, basic financial terms. I know a lot of times we hear these phrases and words and we have no idea what they mean. So my man Mike Walker is going to come on and break it down, and hopefully everybody can learn something from it. So tune in next week, nine o'clock. We're we're looking forward to it. So so Pastor Tatum, what are you looking forward to in the rest of twenty twenty one? I mean, what are you? Listen, I just want a vacation. <laughs> I want to be like Pastor Jeff. I just want to go beat. somewhere. I just want to get on a plane and go somewhere. Yeah. Basically, just trying to, because I know for a fact that what was church before pandemic is not what we're going to look like when we fully come out. And so just really working to adjust our church to what that new reality is going to be for us and how we continue just to of the community that we're in and the people that we're in. 
that we're called to. So that's basically it. Just and live life. <laughs> right, right. Now I, I need a show, and we might have to make you a part of this panel, Pastor Tatum. And that is, we keep saying it's never going to be the same. It's going to be different, but nobody's giving me specifics. You know, besides the fact that more people will watch online, you know, and you know, I get the attendance thing. And there's a comfort with online ministry, but like specifically, which we've I mean, so a lot of us have already been doing. We already have this hybrid. We got so-called online members, people that tune in yeah. faithfully and, you know, get your online giving up and all that. But to me, that's all just par for the course with COVID kind of uh, jumpstarting what was already a very, very slow evolution. And now we're like, we had to all flip over right away. But like, you know, is somebody really going to do, I mean, I've seen a couple models. I've seen like the studio model and, you know, people doing that whole deal. Is that what we mean? You know, what exactly do we mean? I think we need to kind of unpack that with pastors, mm-hmm. talk about realities, what it is and what it isn't. And maybe not even like overhype because some people will go back and they're not going to like just die immediately because if folk want to be at that old way that it was before, they're just going to go and be there. It might not be the cutting edge thing, but nine times out of 10, they weren't before anyway, you know, so a lot of that's going to, a lot of that's going to just be what it is. But, you know, I am interested to see how this all pans out for for all of us and and what it looks like. I, I just got word. I was about dancing in my office that, I, we had a trip to Jamaica planned through Lock Carey uh, Missions uh, Convention that I'm a part of. And it is back on for this October because they canceled it last year. So I get to go to uh, to Jamaica and, and I guess we're supposed to be learning, but I'm going to try to get to the beach as much as possible. <laughs> I'm heading to Vegas. I'm, I'm out. I'm like, Bibles work on the beach, don't they? Don't Bibles work on the beach too? <laughs> Bibles work in, on the beach in casinos, you name it. I'm like, I'm out here trying to see if I can walk on water. But uh, yeah, I mean, so I, I do want to get back. Do you know, by the way, let me get that. Let me get a, a Berean exclusive. Are, are we going to be in person or what? We don't know yet. Um, It's it's looking like we're going to be hybrid. So I'm a hybrid so, myself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, until that's what that's that's technically what Bishop is saying right now. Hybrid. He might change his mind. I'm a hybrid. But, my tail down 71. Right. <laughs> So just look out for it because right now, basically, it looks like it's going to be in-person and virtual, but in-person will be limited. So it's going to be first come, first serve. So you might, you're going to want to jump on it as soon as it comes out. I feel it. That's a Berean Presbyter hybrid. If you get rebuked for for spilling it, that's on you, though. That ain't got nothing to do with me. I'm going to blame Todd. I'm like, (laughs) Todd made me say it. You know, I'm going to throw you under the bus. Todd made me say, I'm going to throw you right under the bus. I don't need the phone calls. Well, Pastor Jeff, we want you to be safe. We miss you, man. We know you're enjoying yourself. Enjoy your family. Tiff, you know, keep him straight. You know, keep him on a straight and narrow. Make sure he get back in one piece. Don't be on one of them spirit flights to turn upside down in the middle of the sky and be uh, shaking y'all all around. I saw a spirit uh, meme and somebody looked like they was on a van talking about I'll never find spirit again. <laughs> it was like captain's chairs in a in a in a in a conversion van. <laughs> oh, crazy! Hey, I love spirit. By the way, I drive that. I do that fifty dollar one way, two way in a minute. I'm That's cool. the prayers for. Nope, can't get I'm, me on there. Nah, I'm cool. Prayers for. I do it. Too cheap. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Too cheap. <laughs> Too cheap. I'm I want to keep my spirit in my spirit. I ain't messing with spirit. No. Mm-mm. I'll do spirit in a second. Dude. Well, Mike, you got anything else? No, sir. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, check us out next week, 9 o'clock sharp. 
Eastern time. Um, audio should be available sometime tomorrow. So check us out on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Our Heart, all that. Y'all know the speech. Absolutely. We everywhere. We everywhere. Adam, stay on. We thank you. Any last thoughts? Any last words? Just be good and live life, y'all. That's it. That's it. Well, stay on for a second. Mike, take us out. We appreciate y'all. Right. See y'all next week. Peace, sir.